Hello and welcome to ABC Storytime, where we tell Chinese stories to all the non-Chinese speakers. We're in the middle of retelling the story of Journey to the West, Si Yo Ji, by Wu Chengen. I'm Mengxia. Today, I'm drinking a classic Chinese herbal tea, Wang Lao Ji. I'm Sean, and I'm drinking a black sesame vita soy. Today, we're wrapping up Chapter 3 of Journey to the West. In the previous episode, Sun Wukong acquired his iconic legendary weapon, the Rui Jingubang, a 13,500-pound staff that shrinks and grows on command. In doing so, he angered the four dragon kings, who are now planning to report him to heaven. After that, he was free from worry. Each day, he soared with the clouds and mist toward the four seas and sought pleasure in a thousand mountains. He practiced his martial skill, visited heroes, worked magic, and made friends everywhere. He formed a brotherhood of seven, the Bull Demon King, the Dragon Demon King, the Rock Demon King, the Hunched Lion King, the Macaque King, the Winged Ape King, and of course, our very own Handsome Monkey King made seven. The sworn brothers spent every day discussing philosophy and debating strategy, exchanging toasts and gifts, singing and dancing at banquets. Wukong would leave at dawn and return at dusk, leaving no pleasures unexperienced. To Wukong, the journey of 10,000 miles was as the walk to the front gate. They say he traveled 3,000 li with a nod of his head and made a journey of 800 li with a twist of his hips. One day, Wukong instructed the four advisors to prepare a great banquet for the six Yao brothers. They butchered cows and slaughtered horses and made offerings to heaven and earth. The guests danced and sang and they feasted until the entire assembly was blackout drunk. After Wu Kong had escorted the six kings out and rewarded his loyal advisors, he suddenly fell asleep, leaning against the iron bridge under the shade of some pine trees. The four advisors gathered around, not daring to wake him. In his sleep, the handsome monkey king saw two men come before him, bearing an official-looking document. The document had written the name Sun Wukong. Without explanation, they tied a rope around him and hauled his spirit to a city. The Monkey King was slowly growing sober. He raised his head and looked around. There was an iron plaque on the city wall that proclaimed, The Peaceful Realms. The handsome Monkey King suddenly realized what was happening to him. The Peaceful Realms is the domain of King Yin. Why have you brought me here? The two men said, Your destined lifespan ended today. We have collected you and brought you here. Hearing this, the Monkey King said, I have escaped the cycle of reincarnation and transcended the five elements. I am no longer under his jurisdiction. Is he addled that he dares order you to collect me? The two collectors did not answer, but continued to pull, insistent on bringing him into the city. In a burst of temper, the Monkey King pulled his staff from his ear and swinging it, grew it to the thickness of a rice bowl. He raised his staff and beat the collectors to meat paste. He freed himself and wheeling his staff, fought his way into the city. Ox-head demons and horse-head demons fled from him in every direction. Guards ran for Sinlua Palace, reporting, Your Majesties, there's trouble. A furry-faced thunder god is outside, fighting his way in. The ten kings of hell quickly straightened their clothes and came out. Seeing Wukong's enraged expression, they immediately called out, Master Immortal, please state your name. Wukong said, you don't even know who I am, yet you dare send collectors after me? I am Sun Wukong, the heaven-born sage of Huaguoshan Shui Liandong. Who are you? The ten kings bowed and said, We are the rulers of the underworld, the judges of the dead. How can kings make such a mistake? Wukong said. 
I, Lao Sun, have cultivated immortality and mastered the way. I have life equal to the heavens. Why have collectors been sent for me? The king said, Master Immortal, do not be angry. There are many people in the world with the same name. Perhaps the collector has made a mistake. Wukong said, Bullshit. Officials and clerks can be mistaken, but the collector is never mistaken. Show me the register of life and death. The ten kings had no choice but to invite him into the palace to examine the register. Still holding his gold-banded staff, Wukong sat in the great hall of Sinlua Palace. The magistrate brought out five or six volumes from the record room, detailing the lifespans of the ten types of animals for Wukong to examine one by one. Hairless beasts, furred beasts, feathered beasts, armored beasts, scaled beasts, none of these contained his name. He then came to the simian-type animals. He came to soul number 1350, Sun Wukong, heaven-born stone monkey, destined lifespan 342 years, a peaceful end. Wukong said, I don't know how many years I have lived. Just erase my name. Bring a brush. The magistrate quickly brought a brush and dipped it in ink. Wukong took the book of Simeon's and crossed out all of the names that he saw. He threw down the book and said, That's it. The monkeys aren't your business anymore. Wielding his staff, he fought his way out of the peaceful realms. The ten kings didn't dare get in his way, but went to Cuiyun Palace and presented themselves to the womb of the earth, Bodhisattva, where they discussed how they might report this incident to heaven. Having fought his way to the edge of the city, Wukong tripped over a clump of grass, fell, abruptly woke up, and found that it was all a dream. Stretching and half asleep, he heard his advisors say, Your Majesty, how much did you drink? You slept all night. Won't you wake up now? Wukong said, Never mind my sleeping. I dreamt that two people came to collect me and brought me to the gate of the peaceful realms where I woke up. Using my magic, I went straight to Senlo Palace and argued with the ten kings of the underworld. I inspected the register of life and death and crossed out all of our names. The underworld has no authority over us anymore. The monkeys knelt and bowed in awe and gratitude. From then on, many mountain monkeys never got old, for their names are not in Hell's register. We turn now to heaven to discuss the Most High Sage, the merciful and awesome Jade Emperor in the Ling Xiao Cloud Palace, who one morning was holding court with his civil and military officials when the immortal Qiu Hongji came forth with a report. Your Majesty, Ao Guang, Dragon King of the East Sea, has arrived and requests an audience with Your Majesty. The Dragon King entered and handed a memorandum to the attending immortal youth, who presented it to the Jade Emperor. It said, Your humble servant, the dragon Aoguang of the East Sea, wishes to petition your majesty, the merciful and awesome Jade Emperor. In recent days, a Yao born of Hua Guoshan and living in Shui Liandong named Sun Wu Kong has tyrannized this humble dragon, trespassed in our home in search of a weapon, and demanded armor with magic and violence. The water folk are in terror. The dragons of the south, west, and north seas tremble in fear, and your servant Aoguang had no choice but to acquiesce to his demands. We presented to him a powerful and precious iron staff, a gold phoenix feather helm, interlocking armor, and cloud-walking shoes as gifts to pacify him. Yet he still continued to display his martial skill and magical powers, and only said, Sorry to trouble you. He is truly unparalleled in power, and we are powerless against him. Thus, your humble servant is here to submit a report and petition for heaven's judgment, that the heavenly forces may arrest this evildoer and restore peace to the oceans below. The Jade Emperor issued his decree. 
Master Dragon may return to his ocean. We hereby order our generals engage in the capture of this criminal. The Dragon King bowed in gratitude and left. The venerable Taoist Master Gu then approached with another report. Your Majesty, King Qingguang from the Peaceful Realms, on behalf of the Shepherd of the Dead, the womb of the Earth Bodhisattva, has come to make a report. An immortal maiden received the report and presented it to the Jade Emperor. It said, The Peaceful Realms are the netherworld of the Earth. The heaven have immortals as the underworld has demons. Such is the natural balance of yin and yang. Beasts and fowl live and die in a never-ending cycle. Male and female, they reproduce. This is the way of the world, and the way it ever shall be. However, recently, a heaven-born monkey Yao from Huaguashan Shuilian named Sun Wukong, violently resisted death's summons. His magic defeated the messengers of the peaceful realms, and his power terrorized the Ten Kings of Mercy. He wreaked havoc in Sinlo Palace and forcibly erased souls from the register such that the race of monkeys can no longer be collected and will live long lives, evading reincarnation. In this humble monk's opinion, this blasphemes against heaven. We humbly petition that the heavenly army be sent to subdue this Yao in order to maintain the balance of yin and yang and preserve the peace of the underworld. Having read the report, the Jade Emperor decreed, the lord of the hell may return to the underworld. Our generals will be dispatched to arrest this villain. Qin Qingguang also bowed in gratitude and left. In what era was this monkey Yao born that he is so accomplished in the way? The emperor inquired of his immortal court. Thousand mile eye and far hearing ear emerged from the assembly. This monkey is the heaven born stone monkey of 300 years ago. At the time, he seemed unremarkable. In recent years, he has cultivated immortality from we know not where and acquired such power that he can forcibly erase names from Hell's Register. Which of our immortal generals will descend to the earthly realms to capture him? The emperor asked. Tai Bai Jinxing, the spirit of the evening star, came forth and said, Your Majesty, in the three realms, any being with nine orifices can cultivate immortality. It's natural that this monkey was formed by heaven and earth and birthed by the universe itself has done so. Now that he has found the way and acquired power that he can even vanquish dragons, in what way is he different from men? Your majesty, in your compassion toward all life, why not extend a decree of conciliation and instead summon him up to heaven and appoint him as some minor official? His name will be in our records and we can keep an eye on him here. If he submits to heaven's rule, we can reward and promote him. If he does not submit, we can still capture him. On the one hand, it will spare the generals an inconvenience. On the other, we may add another immortal to our ranks. The Jade Emperor was pleased at this suggestion and agreed. Bearing the Emperor's decree, Taibai descended upon his cloud to Huaguashan. He found himself surrounded by little monkeys. I am a messenger from heaven with an imperial invitation for your king, he told them. Go inform him at once. The monkeys passed the message from one to the next until the message reached Wukong deep within Shui Liandong. Boss, there's an old man outside with a bunch of documents. He says he's a messenger from heaven with an imperial invitation for you. The handsome monkey king was delighted and said, invite him in. He quickly smartened his appearance and went out to meet the old man. Taibai Jinxing stood in the cave entrance. Seeing Wukong, he said, I am the evening star, Taibai Jinxing. 
by decree of the Jade Emperor, you are invited to heaven to receive an imperial appointment. Wukong laughed and said, I am honored by Master Star's visit. Little ones, prepare a banquet in our guest's honor. I bear an imperial decree. I dare not linger, Taibai protested. If your majesty would please come with me, we can converse at our leisure after you receive your appointment. Wukong agreed. He turned to his four advisors and said, Keep training the children up diligently. I will go see what heaven is like, and then we will all go up and live there together. The four advisors promised to do so. The Monkey King and Taibai Jingxing ascended on clouds together into the sky. What kind of position will our Monkey King receive? Find out next time in Chapter 4. Okay, so some interesting stuff happened. First off, uh, Wukong went to hell, yep. or in this case, it's called the Peaceful Realm. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm going to pull up what it's called in Chinese real quick. So the Peaceful Realms, my translation, I translated it from Yo Mingjie. Like the name of it kind of reminds me of like a dreamscape where like nothing's quite in focus and everything is like very foggy and dark and you're not really sure what's happening kind of a place and it is a little bit scary but it's also kind of tranquil yeah so wukong in a dream he gets abducted Mm -hmm. and is taken to the peaceful realm and supposedly his time is up uh he has lived for like 300 years or something yeah, and apparently that was what was allotted him. Yeah, so hell here, I think like the the most direct parallel is like Dante's Inferno. So there's layers of hell and each layer is dedicated to like punishing people with a certain sin. And then after the souls have been like adequately put through their punishments or whatever, they reincarnate. But also it just reminded me of in the game Hades, There's a room where all of the spirits are like hard at work keeping records Mm -hmm. because there's like so much bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know, at this point, Wukong was already immortal, right? Right. So like... I mean, Wukong was also under that impression, right? Yeah. That's why he gets so mad. Right. So who made a mistake here? Like, did Wukong not really have become immortal or did the record keepers in hell make a mistake? But yeah, so, you know, he gets caught... And he goes to this palace and he demands to see the records Mm -hmm. and then strikes his name and all the names of all of his monkey clan off the records. Right. And it seems like he like took the book of monkeys and didn't even look to see like if this was a monkey on my mountain. He was just like Mm. scribbled all over it. Yeah. And ruined that at least parts of that book. So if he was already like three or five times immortal or whatever at this point, he just Mm -hmm. added plus one to that count. (laughs) (laughs) Immortal plus one. Yeah. Yeah. So I've pulled up here like, like kind of like an old image of what they imagine King Yan, Yan Wang. um, The ruler of the underworld. The ruler of the underworld, one of 10. Mm -hmm. So each of the 10 kings is responsible for a certain class of people also. So like depending on like what you did in your life, you're under the jurisdiction of one of them, which is fun. Mm -hmm. And King Yin is like this um, 
conglomeration of like um, Chinese folk religion, Hinduism, Buddhism, and he's also the same as Yama in Japanese mythology. Remind because, me who that is again. Also the king of the underworld. Okay. So Japan also shares this deity because Buddhism was imported over there and King Yan kind of went along with it, even though it doesn't seem like he is originally a Buddhist deity. Um, and his face, I don't know why out of the Ten Kings, he's like the most famous one, because when they present themselves to Wukong, it, they like make it sound like they're all equal. But his face is printed on all of what's called like hell money, which is when people in China die, you like go to their grave and then you make offerings with the idea that they can then go and enjoy that stuff in the underworld. Kind of like how mummies were buried with a bunch of stuff, right? That they can then use. So like you can burn paper fake money that then will make it so that your like relative, your dead relative will have money to spend in the underworld. And nowadays you can burn like paper, like Maseratis, <laughs> like houses. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like when you go to a graveyard in China, there's usually a shop at the front of the graveyard at the entrance where you can like buy all this stuff, just like paper money, paper food, paper cars, paper mm. houses. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So heaven too is a crazy bureaucracy. Yep. And the impression is, you know, heaven is just kind of like this bureaucratic administration where mm -hmm. you have the Jade Emperor, mm -hmm. who is like the head of this organization and a bunch of civil servants and lackeys. And, you know, it basically seems like it, heaven in, in this universe very much mirrored Chinese society at that point, right? Like... Yeah, like what the, the Emperor's palace right. was actually like. Right. Yeah. So heaven here is not a place that you go to when you die. It's like much more like an Olympus situation. This just like where the gods live. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these people, a lot of the immortals are based on like heroes. Like if you are heroic and you achieve something great in life, then you might be elevated into immortal status when you're old or like when you're dead. And not even like in, in, in Chinese culture, like I don't even think you're necessarily when you see when you say heroic, right? Mm hmm. I feel like the criteria for becoming an immortal and getting into heaven is not just like performing like heroic feats a la like Hercules in Greek myth, but mm -hmm. it could also be like doing something really just... It can literally be like, oh, you wrote the best essay on the national exam in mm -hmm. like a hundred years mm -hmm. and now you're the god of essay writing. Yeah, real. <laughs> right? And so... Like, the, I guess the, 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 the Like, I'm Chinese... not even kidding. That's, like, a real thing. Yeah, I believe it, right? But, like, the Chinese phrase for describing these feats is just, like, Li Hai, right? But it's not quite the same as, like, being heroic. Right. I guess Li like, Hai yeah. is, like, a matter of, like, both skill mm -hmm. and, like, just, like, being awesome in, like, the, <laughs> in, like, the base sense of the word. I like, mean, if you think be, being a writer, writing... Writing such an award-winning essay, if that's, like, awesome. I mean, I guess, sure, it can be. I mean, be. it is in the way that, like, 
it gets you, you know, a lifetime government position. <laughs> right, but but that's just, you know, that's just reflecting the sorts of things that Chinese society Value. valued then and probably still values now. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so recently, um, in real time, we just passed Dongwujie, which is the Dragon Boat Festival. And the Dragon Boat Festival is honoring this guy who, like, stood up to the emperor. Mm-hmm. And he was right about something, and the emperor didn't want to hear it, and so he got exiled. And then he was so upset about it that he committed suicide. <laughs> and then he, like, you know, I think he committed suicide by drowning. And all of the people in that village that he was like exiled to loved him so much that they didn't want the fish to eat his body, and so they like made all these rice balls and threw them in the river so that the fish would eat the rice balls instead of him. Mm-hmm. So actually, I think a lot of like these um, quote unquote heroes are like rebel types, like not the lackey types. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't become a hero by just like doing what you're told. Um, which is funny because once you die and become an immortal, all of a sudden they want you to be a lackey again. Right. But I guess, you know, that's that's funny that you mentioned that story because, you know, Sun Wukong, Sun Wukong is just being a rebel, but instead of you know, on the human plane, now mm-hmm. he's doing it on the immortal plane, right? right? Um, and, and they, you know, try to, later on, they send... Tai Bai Jinxing. Yeah, they send him as a messenger to basically tell Hong that he's been appointed as a minor official. Right. And, you know, this is their ploy to basically force him into subserviency, and so he just won't cause heaven, the, the heavenly bureaucracy, any more trouble. Right. Um, and Wukong is like, yeah, lol, sure. <laughs> Why well, not? I mean, at this point, he's going along with it, right? Like, he at, by the end, he's going along with it. Yeah, he's I don't just know like, this he's... is like a fun new thing to do. Right. I don't know if he's realized what they're trying to do. Yeah. So I want to make up, like, have a translation note here about Tai Bai Jingjing because he is Venus. Like, Venus is not a woman in <clears throat> Chinese mythology. And, like, trying to translate this, like, I think there's some translations that call him, like, the spirit of venus and i just cannot get like mm-hmm. michelangelo out of my head yeah just like a naked lady yeah and yeah that's such like an interesting caveat when translating right it's right. so important the the different perception that comes across if you decide to yeah like take yeah like, like usually he's portrayed as like a really short really old man with a really long white beard mm-hmm He's got, like, a walking stick, and he's very... They always portray him also as very, like... He, he's just, like, taken aback by, like, the idea of monkeys. Because <laughs> oh. he's so used to, like, people being all proper and being respectful and, like, being subservient to him. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I think in the 19... We're looking at a picture of him from the 1960s cartoon, and I think in this one or the 90s cartoon, maybe, the monkeys literally, like... They, like, steal his hat, they steal his staff, they steal his shoes, and they, like, carry him on his shoulder, their shoulders, like, into the cave. And it just, like, makes a mockery of his, everything he stands for. Hmm. I mean, so, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's kind of interesting how you went about it, because you did not refer to him as Venus. Mm-hmm. So, actually, you know, after reading your adaptation, I didn't know he was Venus. But, right. I mean, I think know. I wrote, I am the evening star. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you're familiar, you know that the evening star is Venus. But in Chinese, the planets are named after elements. So mm-hmm. he's the 
gold star or like the metal star venus、mm. and then the fire star is mars right so maybe the last thing we can talk about is the jade emperor、mm-hmm. so you know he obviously he appears but there's no there's no backstory for him no、right. context given on Who this guy is, why he's important, or how he became emperor in the first place. Right. So apparently, he's not the first Jade Emperor. He succeeded a previous one, right? Yeah, he like worked his way up the ranks.、Mm-hmm. Actually,、um, so I'm currently translating chapter seven right now, and the Buddha gives his backstory in chapter seven. Oh, okay.、Um, but yeah, he like the Buddha's like, oh, he like cultivated himself for. Ages. He deserves this position. He worked his way up. Like you've only been alive for like three hundred years, and you think you can take that? Like deserve this spot? Right. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's interesting. He so so he you know cultivated himself for for a very long time、mm-hmm. and worked his way up to this position. But he's also he- but he's also immortal. Like like you know like everyone else is in heaven.、Mm-hmm. Right, so he like, but he seems so useless now. <laughs> right, he like doesn't ha- he doesn't like put out any of his own ideas. He just like listens to other people. Okay, so so yeah, like what is what comes with being the Jade Emperor? Like, does he have powers? Does he have authority? Like, what? I guess all the immortals listen to you, and you get like beautiful girls dancing for you all the time, <laughs> and you get to eat everything. <laughs> Whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> and and why is he, you know why is he the Jade Emperor? Like, is Jade that special? Is he made of jade? Like, that's、no. also <laughs> what I've thought before. With that, Jade is also like a symbol of like the imperial family、mm-hmm. in China. So like, as we get on in the story, you're gonna see that like all of when we like get into the description of what heaven is like, it's gonna be like this is Jade and that is Jade and. This is gold and cinnabar, and it's it's all like these symbols of just what is mo- considered most precious in China, like pearls. I don't think they really care, or like silver. There is like no mention of those things, and so yeah, he's just he's the Yu Huang Da Di,、um, or sometimes just Yu Di's Jade Emperor,、mm-hmm. the biggest, the greatest Jade Emperor. And as you said, yeah, he doesn't seem to give his own opinions or be proactive, which you know I think comes generally part and parcel with being the figurehead,、mm-hmm. right? Like because you are the figurehead, you are the one who's ultimately kind of like held accountable for when things go wrong. And there's so many different parties and so many different expectations that are placed on you that any head of state just like needs to juggle and manage, right? So. Yeah, I guess it's like it's like being able to thread all that and then also put out like your own opinion or or you know your own agency or whatever.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's fair. He... And, and so you know, I think typically in that kind of situation, if you if you really want power, you don't want to be the figurehead. You want to be the person whispering to the figurehead. You know. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I want to back up and point out. So in this chapter, we have like two complaints, right? The、mm-hmm. dragon kings make their complaint, and then the the kings of hell make their complaint. And each time, they're announced.、Mm-hmm. Like 
Literally, the like sequence of events is someone in the court, so in this case, Taoist Master Gu, approaches with a report, like a written report, and like says, you know, a report has come from the kings of the dead. He hands it to someone, and then that person hands it to the emperor, and then the emperor reads it. And Taoist Master Gu, when I was like doing my research for this, he is the fourth century father of traditional Chinese medicine. Okay. And that it was his like contribution that made him important enough okay. to become immortal. And now he's just like stuck passing reports. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just yeah. kind of sad, right? Yeah. This is his reward. <laughs> right. It's like you have to stand uh, around. Yeah. I'm like, mm, can I choose not? Can I not accept <laughs> becoming an immortal in heaven? Yeah. That, that sucks. <laughs> I guess if he really wants to, he can cultivate himself for millennia and millennia and eventually work his way up to Jade Emperor. Yeah, maybe. But also the thing, right? Like with the current Jade Emperor, mm-hmm. he succeeded a previous Jade Emperor. Mm-hmm. But these people are all immortal, all immortal. So clearly the previous one did not die, right? Yeah, he what just happened to him? Didn't want to do it anymore. Just retired. Yeah. What does he do in retirement? Like, is it only if you retire from being a successful jade emperor then you get to go and you know so not all immortals live in heaven there is some like i don't want to say like rebels maybe a little bit rebels so later on we're gonna meet the jade emperor's nephew and he doesn't live here Mm -hmm. he kind of is like the the black sheep of the family a little bit Mm -hmm. and then he has he lives like somewhere else with his friends and those friends are also not like on the immortal like the register of the court so like they can't just like show up in heaven whenever they want but uh, like the nephew can because he's related i guess cool well that was a fun episode again quite interesting to see how chinese society at the time thought heaven looked like um cool anyway I think we'll go ahead and wrap this up here. like your um vita soy yeah it's good i mean it's funny with with these so i remember kids in like like when i was in like elementary school i remember other asian kids who like brought this as the part black of their one? no just vita soy just in like general just these these boxes of soy milk mm-hmm. right these juice boxes of soy milk and they just would bring them as part of their lunch and i i never had one and st- you know i don't think I, this might have been the first time i'd had this and i mean not this one right here that i'm drinking right now is not the first time i've had this but we like bought like what a six or an eight pack of this and i think the first one i've had of that might have been the first flight of soy i had mm-hmm. but yeah like i don't know i you've had other sweat milk Yes, I've had other soy milk, just not Vita Soy or from a juice box. But you know, it's it's good. It's good. I I don't 
I just like paper straws, so that's my only complaint. Oh, I don't, I don't care. Um, yeah, Bang Lao Jie is like if you took Arizona sweet tea and you ha- gave it like a minty aftertaste. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Very sugary. Great with like Sichuan food. It's great for uh, cutting cooling the spice. down the heat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder. You know, I wonder if. Like on hot ones, where they're eating spicy chicken wings. <laughs> like, does this only help cut through like a certain kind of spicy, like Chinese type spicy, like mala spicy, or you know whatever? Like, would it help with like American hot sauce? I mean, I don't know. It'd be tasty, but probably yeah, go that it's well. probably just the sugar. To be honest, that's mm. cutting through it. Yeah, I mean, it says that it's like. Okay, the way they advertise Valencia is really funny because it's like clearly just a very sugary beverage, but they say it is too hu, mm. <laughs> right? So like, I don't like if you're not familiar with the Chinese concept of like hot and cold in Chinese medicine, maybe pioneered by this like master Gu, um, it like it's talking about like how inflamed your body is, and so Valencia is like ad- marketing itself as like a health drink <laughs> by saying it reduces inflammation. Right, because, you know, most, well, not most, but a lot of, like, the, well, certainly the, a lot of the foods I liked as a kid that, you know. Like what? I'm trying to remember, like, what were things that. Well, things that generally, like, shanghu, mm-hmm. like, increase inflammation are, like, fried food. Yeah, fried foods. Like, meat. Meat. Spicy food. <laughs> Milk. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of. Like, it, so, so those are considered, like, quote-unquote bad in this sense, right? Even though, you know, this constituted a lot of the, the kinds of foods that I liked. Mm-hmm. My mom dropped the bomb on me that, like, like clementines were shanghua. And oranges, like, navel oranges were tuhua. And I was like... What? <laughs> what now? <laughs> Wait, where does this come from? Hmm. But yeah, like, I, I just remember being told that certain foods are shanghua. Mm-hmm. I never really heard about foods that were chuhuo, ch- right? Probably because you didn't like to eat any of them. <laughs> Maybe. Because they're things like mung bean porridge. The bland stuff. <laughs> stuff you like? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so really it's like the blander food is what's better for you. It's not It's not even like... Okay, sorry, this is the thing, right? Like if you only ate... Well, if you only ate foods that were chuhuo, like that wouldn't be bad right like that's fine i think there is this like idea that if you're too okay so shanghua like chihua is like ideally bringing you back to neutral but there's also you can go in the opposite direction it's like toward cold Uh energies so like if you go too far in that direction like you get diarrhea (laughs) 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 sure let's let's leave it on diarrhea (laughs) (laughs) We're going to wrap it up there. Bye. Bye.